jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Bissell. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, just one guest lined up for you today. Jason Benetti. Newhouse grad, Q Salum, he'll be on the call Friday night inside the Dome. ESPN2 as Syracuse closes out the home portion of its schedule against Louisville. We'll have Jason on uh, at some point in our number two. He's tied up with some meetings. Uh, we're hoping to get him on right around 1.30. Uh, but we're going to talk mainly Q's basketball here in our number one. And again, phone lines are open. We want to hear from you, your impressions from the regular season opener at 315-437-7644. A lot to get to. It wasn't a great game by either team, obviously. Eastern Washington uh, had some struggles, that's putting it kindly, shooting the basketball. Syracuse didn't shoot it all that well either. But a lot to talk about from this game. Um, I think we start with the fact that Jalen Carey and and Howard Washington are back. And I'm not surprised that Jalen Carey is back. I, I was surprised to see Howard Washington last night, less than 10 months removed from ACL surgery, the kid's back on the court, and now two of the three injured cards are back in commission for Jim Beheim. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I expected to see Jalen Carey last night. I, I thought that made a whole lot of sense. All right, he's back. It's, it's, what, four weeks, just about coming up on four weeks since his injury. It would make a whole lot of sense for him to be back. I'm surprised that Howard Washington played. Um, and and again, this is this is just because of my perception of his injury, I think, from the jump. I think that from the jump... I was surprised at how quickly he had progressed. I didn't think that he would be an option uh, for the majority of this year, if at all, this season. And yet here we are. He played in the opener. Uh, that is unbelievable. That that is a that is a really fast recovery to be able to be at the point where you feel confident going out on the floor. He looked confident. He looked like he was a full go. I, I didn't notice anything you know off about him when he was on the floor. Um, obviously, you don't want him playing 35 minutes a night on on a repaired knee, a, a newly surgically repaired knee. But he, I, I guess he's good enough that you feel confident in him getting you, what, eight, eight ten minutes last night? Gave him seven minutes, uh, had three rebounds. We saw Robert Braswell last night as well. So the, so the talk about potentially redshirting those guys, not going to happen. Howard Washington is ready to rock and roll. Robert Braswell ready to rock and roll as well. And, uh, you know, of the three that we just mentioned, Jalen Carey's the guy that's going to get a lot of minutes this year, um, you would think, opposed to the other two. We saw him for 18 minutes, came in midway through the first half, and looked pretty good at, at, at times. The the one play where he had the, the rebound, coast-to-coast layup, drew the foul, got the basket, uh, missed the free throw, but his ankle looked just fine, and I think we saw some of the explosiveness last night on, on a few plays that, that SU fans are, are expecting to, to see out of him moving forward. He is really fast. 
And and I know that that's a a, a an incredible oversimplification of of what he does. But when he got the ball, off, I think it was off a rebound or maybe off a steal, and went coast to coast. Yeah, it was off the rebound. Yeah, I, I mean that was that was as fast as I've seen somebody go coast to coast in a Syracuse uniform in in a while. Uh, he is he flew up and down the court. And I, I mentioned yesterday, I believe it was Tommy who said, does he remind you of anyone? And again, we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of Jalen Carey, but I've been told that, you know, the comparisons are Johnny Flynn. And I thought that last night it looked like an apt comparison, the way that he was able to put the ball on the floor, yeah. you know, beat his guy off the dribble, set other people up. You know, the one play you're talking about where he, he got the rebound and he went coast to coast and, and laid it in and drew the foul. Um, that was that was Johnny Flynn-like in the open floor. And again, he could play either guard position. I'm not sure how much of the two he's going to have to play this year with with uh, Tyus Battle on the floor. Um, but he can play both guard positions, and he's versatile, and he's quick, and you know he looked like his ankle was just fine. And so now everybody waits on Frank Howard, and you know Frank was did not suit up last night as we had reported. We don't know when he's coming back, but in the meantime, they've got almost everybody back, and so that's certainly an encouraging sign as you you head into Moorhead State on Saturday. Yeah, and and, you know, we talked about this yesterday on the show, but Jalen Carey's role on the team, even with Frank Howard out, he came off the bench last night, and maybe that is the, hey, you you just want to ease him back in. He played nearly 20 minutes. He played nearly half the game, but you just want to ease him back in. You don't want to put him in, in a position where, you know, all of a sudden he comes out, he hasn't been practicing with your team at full go, and now he's playing, you know, 30 minutes a night, and he turns the ball over three times in the first five minutes of the game, and he's getting that death stare from the sideline, right? That, that death stare that we all know is out there. I, I don't think that you wanted to put him in that kind of a position in, in game one. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to start on Saturday, but I also think it makes sense, as, as we talked about so much yesterday, it makes sense to keep him coming off the bench because ultimately— this year, that's his role. His role this year ultimately is come off the bench, be the guy to spell Frank and Tyus, um, and and maybe somebody else if you move some pieces around. But that's Jalen Carey's role, and, and it might make sense to just let him get used to that rather than, hey, you're going to start, you're going to play 30 minutes a night, but then Frank Howard's coming back and you're going to play 15. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that, that Jalen Carey came off the bench uh, last night. I do think there is something to be said for his first game action to let him come off the bench and ease into things. Not to read too much into it, but Saturday may be an indication of of how much longer Frank Howard is going to be out. If Frank Howard Agreed. is going to be out for another handful of games, let's say, and again, hypothetically speaking, just throwing that out there, then maybe Jalen is in the starting lineup and you want to get him used to that role as you get ready to go down to the Garden and you're playing UConn, you're playing Oregon. Again, I don't know. The hypothetical, if, the hypothetical you're laying out, and again, a hypothetical, if Frank is out another month, Jalen Carey probably starts Saturday so that he could start that handful of games. Again, theoretically, if, if right. it's going to be one more game, then, maybe, then okay, let's just go with the starting the lineup that right. we've had and bring Jalen off the bench. But again, we, we don't know. You know, Frank Howard continues to progress, and we'll wait and see how that, that whole thing goes. Um, you look at the shooting last night. It was it was dreadful for Eastern Washington, and I know we threw out the stat last night. You and I you know, were doing some digging, and you found the stat about uh, – you know, Syracuse gave up 34 points to Montana in the the 2013 NCAA tournament. That's the fewest Somebody points allowed. Somebody picked Montana to win that game. Yeah, we remember that. <laughs> um, fewest points allowed by Syracuse in the Jim Beheim era. That was the, the game. Uh, Colgate scored 35 in the dome uh, a few years back, and that was the the lowest point total inside the dome. Well, we all know Eastern Washington had 34 last night. I didn't get the sense it was a truly a great defensive effort. Jim Beheim talked about that afterwards. The players talked about that afterwards. 
It was a whole lot of Eastern Washington just missing shots uh, and turning it over. I mean, the the press was effective, and we'll get to the press in a moment. Um, But I don't know. Like, I remember that Montana game. I was obviously there covering it for News Channel 9. Like, that game and that that run, that team felt like, man, they were – they were suffocating on defense. Yes. I didn't get that sense last night. I got the sense that Eastern Washington was uh, in the deep end of the pool, as Coach P would say, and they didn't handle it all that well. And they turned it over, and they rushed their shots, and they couldn't find the the couldn't find the net from anywhere. And Syracuse took advantage of that, and as a result, it led to thirty four points for the opponent. Yeah, you know, to your point, I was not at the Montana game, uh, but I remember watching it, and and I was at the Marquette game. Uh, a week and a half later, uh, and I, I remember what that defense was doing at that, at that time. Um, I mean, Marquette only scored what forty some odd points uh, in that game. They might not have hit forty if I if I remember correctly. But you know, you're, you're talking about a defense in 2013 that by the end of the year was as good as last year's defense was at the end of the season. And so you're, you know, I, I don't think that was last night. I don't get the feeling that was last night. Uh, but not only for for Syri- for Eastern Washington was it missing shots, Steve. Uh, I thought Syracuse missed a whole lot of open looks, uh, whether it was Buddy, whether it was Tyus, whether it was, uh, you know, Elijah Hughes, the three of them. Uh, they they got a lot of good open looks, and, and um, they they seemed to be moving the ball and making the extra pass to get that great shot off, but then the shot just didn't go down for whatever reason. And it might be opening night jitters. I mean, you know, Buddy Bayheim, it's it's different playing in front of 5,000 people against St. Rose and LeMoyne and then playing against essentially 20,000 people and you know it's your first regular season game and he was 1 for 11 from the field and you know Tyus Battle 3 for 10 from the field. I mean your two guards went 4 for 21 and you still you know won comfortably by by 32 points. Um, yeah, they were off last night. We, we saw Tyus Battle as we were leaving the Dome last night uh, taking jump shots inside the Dome. I was shooting my stand-ups for Channel 9 before we left the building. He's, he's out there. You can see him behind me. He's, you know, putting up some jump shots. So uh, he's working on his shot. You know, Buddy's going to be better than that. Uh, you know, we know that. I think across the board they're going to be better. You know, Elijah Hughes was two for eight. So, you know, to your point, what's that, 29 shots attempted? They made six of them between those three guys. They go six for 29. I mean, that's not going to happen all that often. So maybe no. good that you get it out of the way with your opener on a night where, again, I'm, I'm sure it was there was nervous excitement and, and some jitters, especially for Elijah and Buddy. They'll be better on Saturday. Yeah, and, we, um, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and, and I think that this is an interesting point, and it, and it fits into something we talked about yesterday, which is that this team, the way it's built and the way that it, it can play, they can win a, a couple of different ways. They can win that shootout game because we think offensively they're going to be really good, and, and they've got that capacity to go score the ball. But they can also win when they can't score. And they can also win when they're in a defensive struggle and when they can only get 60-some-odd points on the board. They could probably still win that game given where their defense is at. Now, I don't think that's what happened last night. I think both teams were just pretty bad last night. But if you move into ACC play or you move into uh, deeper in the non-conference, I think this team still can win defensive struggles in addition to being able to go and, and you know win that offensive shootout that they might have to win against a Duke or, or a UNC. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they might be saving up some points for when they play Duke. they got to play them twice, so, I mean, my they're gonna God. Need, they're going to need 300 points in those two games. Did to... you, I mean, did you see some of that game last night? It was crazy. It was just unbelievable. Zion Williamson is uh, is a man. Well, we could get into that yeah, later, but later. since you just brought it up, you said you can win a variety of ways. They're going to have to win a shootout with Duke, okay? They're, they're not keeping Duke below 70, maybe 80 points. I mean, that... 
that team is uh, is really good. Our our good friend Steve Nykum, uh, who used to work here, I used to do the show with him. Uh, he tweeted out last night. He said, "If Kentucky is truly a top ten team, then then Duke is Alabama good." And I thought that was a great way of of putting it. Uh, Alabama I, football is referring to obviously. I think I said this yesterday on the show. Who who put them fourth? How, how do we how do we do that? You know. You you just you don't know though. I mean, you you don't know with with so many freshmen and so many you know new parts to the to the puzzle. It, you just you don't know. And and last night, man, they looked like they were in midseason form. But in any event, they better save up. And my point is, Syracuse better save up two of those shootouts for for when they play Duke because they're going to need to score and, and score a lot. Duke scored. Duke had a hundred points. What thirty minutes into the game, there was still like ten oh, minutes yeah. left there, when, there when were, Duke had a hundred points. There were somewhere around eight or ten minutes left in the game. Um, back to Syracuse, and we'll we'll talk about Duke later in the show. But back to Syracuse. Uh, the one guy who who played great, I thought, was O'Shea Brissett, and he finished with twenty points. Eight rebounds, three steals, led the Orange in, in all three of those categories, only played 29 minutes. He was uh, just a man on, on both ends of the floor, uh, forcing turnovers and getting out in transition and driving to the basket. And, and he does look like he is on a mission. And I know that we all just kind of assume that he's going to the NBA after this year. Man, if he looks like he did last night on a regular basis, there, there's no doubt. There's he's no he's going to have to go. No, there's no doubt. And, and there were... Look, the shooting was awesome, right? The the seeing the shooting display that he put on was, was a a vast improvement, I think, from where he was last year. But some of the other things he was doing, and and I specifically am talking about the way he attacked the rim, uh, was really really impressive. Uh, I know that last year got to the rim, last year he would throw down dunks, last year he would he would make plays. Uh, but there were also times where he was missing dunks, where he was missing layups. He was way more assertive last night. I mean, did you see the the reverse 180 dunk that he made? Uh, he he was going hard after the rim and the backboard. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted this out, and it's the best way that I could describe it. He looked angry at the rim. He, he looked like he wanted to tear the thing down as he put the ball through. Um, it was emphatic, and I think that's different than what we saw out of O'Shea Brissett last year. That doesn't mean it's always going to look that good, but when it looks that good in the in, in the situation like it did last night, that means that those are going to go down when you're contested a little bit more at the rim when you get later in the season, and that's what didn't happen last year. I mean, uh, we, we look at the Duke game last year, the, the last game of the season, the Sweet 16 game. Um, if you look at that game, uh, and I, I think that we've talked about this with, with the coaches a little bit, but... They say, "Oh well, we're we're three or four missed layups or, or missed shots around the rim away from from winning that game. Who was missing the shots around the rim? You know, O'Shea Brissett had a couple of those, and and he looked a lot more confident and a lot more uh, aggressive around the rim last night. All right, he was uh, he was fantastic uh, on the press as well, forcing turnovers, and we we will talk about the press in a moment. Uh, I do need to pass this along because I don't get to talk about my alma mater all that much. But I, I get do to need do to it pass all the time. You I don't get to do it. I too don't much. get to do it all the time. <laughs> uh, big news coming from Ithaca College today. Uh, the 2019 Cortica Jug game, it's the big rivalry football game between Ithaca and Cortland, uh, they're moving it to MetLife Stadium. They're going after the all-time Division III uh, attendance record next year, uh, which was actually set uh, last year between St. Thomas and St. John's. They played a game at, at Target Field in Minnesota where the Twins play, and they drew 37,355. 
and Ithaca and Cortland are going after it. I can tell you a, a large group of people that I know who will uh, who will be going down. My brother and and his Ithaca College buddies. I hope it I'm works. I'm sure they'll be going. I hope it works out so that I can go down. And I, I don't have the date on the game yet. I hope you know. Hopefully, it matches up with like SU's bye, and I can go down and make the trip next year. But in any event, I'm proud that my alma mater's doing that. And uh, yeah, it'll be. I mean, several years ago, it was ranked as the the biggest little game in the country by Sports Illustrated. It's uh, obviously a heated rivalry, big D three uh, college football game. And, and they're moving it to MetLife Stadium. Very cool. I've always heard awesome things, and and uh, you know, surrounding the game, and also well, the, the parties that weekend uh, are, are pretty fun. And my brother was always trying to get me to come down because he, when he was at uh, Ithaca, I was at Syracuse as a student. We overlapped for the majority of it, and he would say, "Hey, come visit," because he would always come visit here and go to the the Duke basketball game or the Georgetown game or or something like that. And he was like, "Come visit for Cortica," and I was like, "I I I'm working." Like I, I can't do this, uh, you know. So uh, I know that I know that he from the Ithaca experience. Th- this is an awesome event and an awesome game each year. So that should be really cool. I got to call uh, two Ithaca, uh, Cortland, Cortica Jug games when I was in college, junior year, senior year. One for the campus TV, one for campus radio. I was the the voice of the Bombers my senior year, and Ithaca lost last play of the game. They had a pass to the end zone that was broken up, and. Cortland won the game, and that that was my last experience with the Cortica Jug, at least from a you know, from a student perspective. So I'd love to go back. I just had to throw that in there. I know it's off topic. I know it's a little bit you know a, a right turn from what we were talking about, but the news just came out. Wanted to pass it along. Full lines are open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. When we return, we'll get back to SU basketball. We'll talk about the pressure defense. I know you were a big fan of it. I was a big fan of it last Loved night it. too. A lot of turnovers created. Looked very good. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. We do have a date, by the way, on that Cortica Jug game down at MetLife Stadium. November 16th, uh, 1 o'clock kick. I think you got to get down there. My guess is that's too late for SU's bye. So I may need to be sick that day. Well, uh, Mario and Darius can ah. handle some stuff, and you can... You can go cover it. We'll see how it works. Maybe, that, maybe they'll have a Friday night game. Maybe Syracuse will play Friday night. Well, that's I can in your, head down for Saturday. That's in your uh, in in your coverage zone, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Football? So, yeah. So go cover the game. We may have to work that out. Yeah, all right. I think well, you got to go cover the game. All right. Uh, you need highlights. To the phone lines we go. I, I'm surprised that we have an Ithaca College uh, football phone call that we're going to take, but our good friend Steven North Syracuse joins us now. Hey, Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a longtime fan of small college football uh, ever since my brother went to Hamilton. And uh, I uh, rooted for the Ithaca Bombers in, in those years when they, from 74 to 91, they played in seven national championship games, won three of them, uh, ironically, against teams that had previously beaten them for the national title. And, uh, you know, Ithaca hasn't been back to that level for quite some time, and the balance of power seems to have shifted to the Mount Unions and Whitewaters of the world. And my impression is that D3 football has somehow built itself up beyond the level that it used to be at when Ithaca was winning national championships, and that Ithaca has kind of remained where it was. But I thought since you were the voice of the Bombers and went there, you'd have a more intimate knowledge of it. Why, why do you think it is that Ithaca and other New York State teams haven't been able to uh, get to the national championship game the way they used to. I mean, it's it's a great question, Steve. I appreciate you checking in. I don't think there's an easy answer for that. Um, I know a lot of it, you know, I think has to do with with 
with coaching, right? I mean, you know, Jim Butterfield was a legend. They, they named the stadium after him. And it's always difficult to follow the legend. And he stepped aside in 1993. And, you know, they haven't really been back to that level since he left. And, and nothing against, you know, the staff that's there now. But it's... It's hard to follow the legend, and you know I think it, it comes with uh, recruiting, as you said. The the balance of power has has shifted to some degree. Um, it and and things go in cycles too. I mean, just look at you know Division One college football. The teams that were great, you know, forty years ago, aren't necessarily the teams that are that are dominating now. Now you know your Alabamas and Penn States and Notre Dames, but. They, they, know, Syracuse they, was pretty good 30 years ago, yeah. and they're pretty good now. I mean, so, remember when Miami I mean, was, you know, and, and Miami's not Miami anymore. I, I know you're tongue-in-cheek saying that I about know. Syracuse, <laughs> but it, it, things go in cycles. And and for whatever reason right now, um, you know, as you pointed out, Steve, the the New York schools, um, you know, aren't at the, the top of the polls. But, um, I mean, this, this rivalry is still one of the best in the country. I don't know if it's the best in the country. I know at one time it was voted as such. But having been a part of that rivalry for you know for four years when I was a student there and and being fortunate to call a, a few games, it's it's something special. And Seth, I know your brother went there. Um, you you've had a chance to experience it at least through his eyes. And it's uh, it's it's a fun weekend. It's a great game, great rivalry, and and I'm excited that they're going to call some national attention to this one next year. Uh, Ithaca, by the way, moving its home game, giving up its home game next year to try and make this happen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, even if I have to to watch from afar. Yeah, I, I think it's a great thing for them. Get it, get as much exposure as you possibly can. It's awesome. So again, the record was I, I threw it. What was it? Thirty-seven thousand plus uh, that they uh, that they drew last year at Target Field. Thirty-seven three fifty-five. Yeah, they drew that last year at Target Field in Minnesota. So they're gonna they're gonna give it a go next year at the home of the the, the Jets and Giants. Uh, let's get back to talking some SU basketball now. I promised we would discuss the press. It's something you brought up on the show yesterday. Um, and, and I'm not surprised that they're using the press early in the season. I think they'll try to use it against some of these these lesser opponents and, and jump on them, and especially if they can't handle the ball all that well. Um, but with the depth and the athleticism in this team, I, I wouldn't be surprised even moving forward if they if they sprinkle it in. I don't think it's going to be you know their go-to defense, certainly. I don't think they're doing it against Duke and Carolina. But we saw last night this thing could be effective for more than just three, four, or five possessions at a time. I mean, they, they had Eastern Washington all out of sorts. Yeah, and that was the point that I, I was trying to make yesterday, is that I think that given the, uh, the depth and, and more players and more healthy bodies on this team, I, I think that it's easier to run in and out of that press more often. I didn't expect them to go play for 40 minutes, which is essentially what they did last night. I certainly did not expect that. But I, I did expect them to to play it a little bit more. And, and I think that we might see that throughout the year. And, and I really like the idea, as I, I said yesterday, I really like the idea of pressing kind of off the jump, pressing from the start of the game, and just throw the other team out of a rhythm early. And then, you know, if you back off after that, you back off after that. But... It seems like, and and I think this happened to Eastern Washington at least a little bit, Syracuse got up in their face. Syracuse caused turnovers. They they got them uncomfortable. And then they didn't make shots all night. And and I'm not saying that, you know, better teams won't, you know, make shots all will will I'm not saying that better teams won't miss shots all night if you press them, but you know, at, at least it, they might for five or ten minutes. And and if you can get a, a good team into a five, ten minute funk. That might be all you need. That might be all you need to go win. You know, if you can get Virginia off their game for five or ten minutes, if you can get, uh, you know, Carolina off their game for five or ten minutes, um, I won't say Duke, but if you need, you know, if you can get, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know who's the next best, an NC State 
off their game for five or ten minutes, that might be enough for you to go get a win. And and I think that if so, so maybe if if you're able to do that just at the start of the game and get them uncomfortable, get them off their spot, like that that might be worth it. And it's kind of a change up, right? It's a chance to to make the game a little bit faster, uh, maybe get a few easy baskets. Sometimes that points-off turnover stack can be deceiving. You know, if you force a turnover at one end and then 25 seconds later you end up (laughs) scoring a basket, technically it's a point-off turnover. But, you know, last night, a lot of cases, the points were direct results of the turnovers. Syracuse forced 19 turnovers and turned them into 33 points. Normally you don't see the numbers like that. Like the SU women, for instance, yesterday – uh, they forced, I think, 27 turnovers, and that led to 29 points. Normally, it's it's usually one to one. It's a one to one ratio generally uh, between or right around there between points and turnovers. Syracuse had 33 points off turnovers, forced 19, and a lot of them were just easy baskets they got off the press, or they directly led to buckets. So if you can do that, especially if you get off to a slow start, you know, on your own offensively, not only you know you're talking about getting the opponent out of their game, it might be a way to get you on your game offensively if you can get a few easy baskets, turn defense into offense, and, well, and I think we saw that last night. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's what that's what Jim Beheim said last night after the game. We've been pressing the whole time in the exhibition games, and it's been a fairly effective. You know, we really couldn't get anything going offensively. We got some steals. You know, that was really, I thought, the difference in the game. We got points off the press. They got points off the press. We saw O'Shea make a couple of those plays, get steals, dunk the ball, uh, and just get easy buckets. Uh, yeah, that, that'll get you into a rhythm easy. And we saw them come right out of the gate and and pressure them. You know, they didn't just drop back into their two three zone. And we know the two three zone is active anyway. But they were extending it. You know, up to mid court and beyond. Just just trying to make Eastern Washington uncomfortable, and it obviously worked. I mean, Eastern. Washington finished with 10 points in the first half, uh, heated up in the second half to finish with uh, with 24. They, they shot a, a whopping 25% from the field in the second half after going 17% in the first half. You know, since you brought up the, the zone, it, it's interesting to watch because these the zone and the press are so fundamentally different. And and I don't mean like tactically what you're doing, but when when Syracuse is in their zone, the game slows down. And and teams are working to try and find something good against that defense, and and that means passing into the high post and kicking it back out and reversing the court and and you know what whatever all of that entails. But it, it takes time for a team to to attack Syracuse's zone. Meanwhile, you you throw the press on them. You're trying to speed them up. You're trying to hurry them up. And I would imagine that either way you go, whether you press first and then back off, or if you sit in the zone first and then try and speed them up, it's probably disorienting the first couple of possessions after you make that switch, right? I would think so. And it goes back to you know what we said. This team can can win in a variety of ways. This team can win I would think in the you know in the mid sixties. I mean they scored sixty six last night and, and won easily. But when they're playing better competition, they can win a game and we saw them last year and in the you know the last several years obviously they can win that game in the fifties or sixties. I think this year's team can win games in 70s and 80s. I think they can get up and down the floor. I think they've got a lot of offensive weapons, a lot of offensive firepower. So if the game does speed up, this team can handle it. Not sure last year's team could handle it with depth or with the the scoring output that they would need to win a game like that. This year's team, I think they can handle from from both perspectives, both from the depth perspective and they have enough offensive weapons that, that they can get in the 70s and 80s on a regular basis if they need to. Yeah, couldn't agree more. This, this team, I feel confident they can win a, a variety of games. They can score, they can shut you down on defense. I, I think that they can do 
different things offensively. Uh, they can do different things defensively. They, there are a lot of different ways. I don't think that we're going to see the same game every every time out like we did last year. All right, it's Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by CH Insurance. We need to take another timeout. Full lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.